As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. All right, as always, uh, thank you to the Norden Group. Um, you've heard me say it a million times before, but if you've got that seven or eight figures of uh, uh, investable wealth sitting around and you just don't know what to do with it, uh, we can help you with that. Norden Group are the people to talk to. Actually, Joe, we can't help them. That's that's, that's actually very true because I just tell you to buy it. Like, how many like how many bikes could you buy with eight figures of like? Four? Yeah, I just advise them to buy bikes and sprinters and buy three buy three new bikes, second homes in St. George and stuff like there that. You go. So that's, yeah, we, we could we could we could talk all day about the things we do with eight figures of investable income. I'll never know. Um, I do have to apologize though because I accidentally, for our long-term listeners, I did publish last week's episode with a two-minute block in the middle of just silence. I don't know how many people skipped ahead of that. Um, I think most people just kind of stopped listening then. And on, honestly, some of the best stuff of that episode was after that pause. There so. was good stuff in that episode. Well, relatively. <laughs> relatively speaking. Um, it has been updated. You might see it show as like updated today or new launch, depending on what platform you're using. Um, that's the explanation there. I, I do apologize for that. Um, really quick, though, I, I think, hopefully, we have a lot of new people listening today. We are going to make this episode mandatory. Um, we're, I'll let the cat out of the bag early. We're talking about trail etiquette. Um, this is probably the most important podcast we'll do. I mean, in terms of like how much we actually care about you applying this, like whether or not you guys actually go on endurance rides or get fast or get fast is, that's is, up to you. is important to us. This, and I'm just going to say like right off the bat to show that we are very serious about this. And we have discussed like, this is something we'd kick you off the team for if, if we yeah. had a problem here. Yeah. You know, if, if someone had a bad race and was slow, it's not like we're going to kick you off the team because you have no. a bad race <clears> and you're slow. No. But if, if you're a jerk, yes. we, yeah, we not just, even just, if you're careless, yeah. You know, if, if we have problems with trail etiquette, we, we haven't had to do it yet. I hope we never do. Um, but yeah, this is something we take very seriously. So welcome to all you who are listening because this is mandatory. I hope I hope you give us another chance past this. Um, there are 27 other excellent episodes, um, or at least decent episodes, that you can go back and listen to. Um, but just to kind of give you a feel, Dan and I usually like to talk about a little bit of news, kind of happenings in the world of cycling. It's early January, so there's not a whole lot going on. Um, depending on, I mean, there are some like road races going on, but they're only for like super nerds. There's nothing super important going on in the cycling world right now, but generally we'll try to talk about that. I always give Dan a, a quick little quiz where we humiliate him about his bike knowledge and then we'll kind of jump into the meat and potatoes topic for the day. Yeah. And if, you know, and if you are new, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes because mainly what this podcast is for is a chance for us to educate our riders on on how you get faster. And, 
And why getting faster is important is really because it honestly makes the sport more fun. It also I mean, contributes to longevity. I think. Yeah. I think if you get good at this, you're more likely. You're more, to oh, longer, absolutely. Which is, which is, I think, the overriding goal of Maybird is to create lifetime cyclists. You know, if if you're able to, you know, just cruise up a hill in zone two at three or four watts per kilo, climbing a hill becomes just as much as fun as descending a hill. If if you're cruise if you're in zone two at four watts per kilo, okay, that would maybe a stretch, maybe step, three, but, but anyhow, you right, know, yeah, we get the point. You get the you know you right. you get to a point where your fitness is so good that your climbs are just as much fun as your descents and right and and yeah, and like Joe said, you know, I think really, you know, if you get fast, it really does improve the longevity of the sport. Yeah. So um, so go back and listen to some of the other episodes and and um, I think there's there's good information in it that'll that'll help you improve as an athlete and. Yeah, make it more fun. So we try to make them entertaining too. I do my best to make them entertaining, and Dan does his best to not make them entertaining. So, um, really quick, we the we have a lot to go over this week. So generally, I try to come up with three or four questions for Dan. I have two, and and our quiz questions in the past have kind of ranged to a lot of different cycling topics. But since we have some, hopefully, have some new folks listening today, I thought we'd kind of go back to our roots and talk about cross country mountain bike racing. Because he usually tries to ask me things that I probably won't know, and I usually don't do super well. So, well, the best questions are the ones that you should know the answer to, and I think these two you should. These are these are pretty, these are big names we'll be talking about. So these are questions about professional World Cup level uh, cross country mountain bike racing. Oh, good. Okay. So, so I might have a better chance because it's cross country. You, you have, you have a shot. Okay. Uh, so the first question is, after winning, um, after winning the world title in 2015 in Val Nord Andorra, this rider was world champion, which means they had the rainbow jersey in three disciplines at once. They were oh, the it was mountain Vanderpool. bike. Incorrect. 2015. No. 2015. Oh, 2015. So 2015. This this rider was the road world champion, cyclocross world champion, and mountain bike world champion. They won the 2014 road championships at the end of the season, the 2015 cyclocross world championships at the beginning of 2015, and then near the end of 2015, before the 2016 worlds or the 2015 worlds happened, they won mountain bike too. So this rider was world champion in road cyclocross and mountain bike for a brief period of time. It is a female rider. That oh. is the one hint you get. Currently um, active today. Um, is she French? Yes, she is French. This rider is French. Okay. Um, Currently rides for Ineos yeah, I, I, Is it Pauline... Pauline Ferrand-Provost. Like, I'll give you like 75% credit for yeah. that. That was pretty good. But yeah, that, which is incredible. Like if you're new to cycling, that might not. That's insane. That's insane. That I don't think it's ever been done on the men's side. Um, I don't think we've ever had even a concurrent. And shame on me because I instantly was trying to think. Think of men, men's. right? Yeah, Exposing so. Dan as the sexist he is today. That's our theme. Um, no, but yeah, Pauline Ferrand-Provost still active. Had a rough season this year, starting yeah, with Ineos Grenadier's first well, not the first off-road rider. I guess Tom Pitcock's Olympic mountain bike champion, so that doesn't count. But, um, gen- I mean, 2022 world champion. She's a little hot and cold, it seems like. She has some seasons that she struggles, and then other seasons she's unstoppable. Oh, but don't we all? But don't we all, right? I mean, I, I only have one of those. Um, <laughs> question number two, and this is a really crazy stat here. In May of 2013, Australian Dan McConnell won the World Cup race in Albstadt, Germany. 
in March of 2018, so we're jumping from 2013 to 2018, Sam Gaze of um, uh, New Zealand won a World Cup in Stellenbosch, South Africa. There were 30 World Cup races between those two things happening, and every single one of those 30 races were won by three riders. Which three riders? Okay, obviously Nino. Nino Schurter is one of them, and he won most of them. But there are two other riders. These, these guys were the, the dominant three riders for, you know, what, four or five years? Yeah, and then um, Yaroslav Kolhavi. Yaroslav Kolhavi, correct. Yeah. Where is he from again? He's from the Czech Republic, or Czechia, as they ask us to call it now. Okay, and then, you know, it's funny, the last one's kind of slipping my name, but he is dating... Pauline was they broke up. was okay they, they broke, broke up. up but you're, you're correct yeah another um, French rider and it's driving me crazy because the name you should Pauline. know this Nino Schroeder is the greatest cross-country mountain biker now but I've we've only been started I've only been saying it for about two years now before that this this rider was the undisputed goat of cross-country mountain bike racing and what, what, I, why is his name slipping my road for BMC? Yeah, I know all that. I know all that. Just give me like a give notorious me a, for being able to be. I know. Nino on the I know climbs, exactly. I can picture. What, I just forget. His name is just totally. His first name starts with a J. The last name starts with an A. Oh, um, Julian Absalon. Dan, oh. this is embarrassing. Okay, See, you this you is super known this. embarrassing. That's super embarrassing. So. Okay. Nino Schroeder and Julian Absalon are two names you need to know. Okay, that is terribly embarrassing. When I came in... Do you in, know what? And that was just totally a brain that fart. That was a brain fart. Yeah. You have a lot of brain farts, don't you? I have too many brain Way farts. Way too many brain farts. Um, uh, Dan's flatulent brain aside, um, getting into cycling for me was watching the epic Schroeder-Absalon battle take, out, take, take place over the course of years. And I should say, Yaroslav Kolhavi won, if I remember correctly, three races maybe two of those 30. Um, he was always up there, but Schurter and Absalon, and, and I should say Schurter did win the majority of them. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought it would be fun to go back. Those are those are two of the, the biggest names. That this you should, should have been the easiest quiz that you've ever I know. given me. I know. Yeah. I should I, I should think of like, um, oh, here's an interesting, here's a quiz question for you. Here's a quiz question. Um, we were talking about NES Grenadiers, formerly known as Team Sky. Some of you might be familiar. They changed sponsors. They're called NES Grenadiers now. Tom Pid Pidcock, current men's Olympic champion, and then Pauline Ferran Provo, who we were talking about earlier, ride for this. This is primarily a uh, road team. Chris Froome won the tour four times with this team. Uh, they ride Pinarello bikes. Pinarello does not currently make a mountain bike. So this team, which has famously been sponsored by Pinarello forever, has two of their uh, you know, top-tier riders, Pidcock and Prevost riding on the mountain bike on an unbranded branded bike from what brand? Um, BMC. BMC, correct. I should say, I think Prevost might be branded now because she rode with BMC for a long time. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting to see like somebody win the Olympic race on just like a blacked out frame, you know, with no sponsors on it. Uh, so there we go. Came up with the third cool. question. So... That was a little embarrassing for you. Yeah, right? that was way embarrassing. That was way I almost, embarrassing. I almost want to go back and edit that, but I no, guess I can't. We never edit things to make Dan look smarter. That's not a thing I've ever... I mean, I never go back and cut stuff out at Dan's request because he completely fumbled on it. That would be crazy. Um, should we do like bloopers or outtakes sometime? That would be a long We wouldn't episode. have very many. Yeah, that, yeah. we'd only have... It would be like, yeah, no. Anyway, uh, jumping into the meat and potatoes. Well, actually, then. before we jump into meat and potatoes, because okay. um, there are just a few things I just wanted to kind of announce because you know we've got like where we have a lot of new 
Uh, Hopefully yeah. new listeners. I should I should explain to new people. Dan and I don't really coordinate or share notes between this. So like you, you will see me jump ahead sometimes in Dan. He's we, we've discussed having a more coordinated thing, but I think that would make it feel less organic. So um, my apologies, Dan. Yeah. So just uh, just by kind of by way of announcement, um, we've got the groups pretty much divided up. We're having a coaches meeting tomorrow and I'm going to kind of present all the coaches assignments with all the different groups and make sure all the coaches are okay with their assignments. And then after that, you're going to, you know, with your, hopefully you've got your team snaps up and running. Um, you're going to, I'm going to assign you to your, your smaller team. And that should just show up on your team snap. You should see like Maybird Reyes psych, as well as like the silver group or the green right. group or the gray, you know, so look for that. Um, and, and that feature is really nice because you can like, you know, sending messages in those, within those groups, it's really easy to, you know, as you add or take away and change groups, it, it automatically updates your group chat. So your communication will be throughout that group chat. It also and, means that hopefully we, we shouldn't have people going into the, the full neighbor group and saying, Hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes late to practice and sending that message to 500 people. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of allows you to do the day-to-day stuff that actually is, is important for your particular group or team. And then Dan and I occasionally, or Dan will use like the full Maybird one if there's something that the entire team needs to know. But it is important that people remember there's two and that you'll mostly live in your, your individual Yeah, your teams. individual group should feel like, like it's your own team. And Maybird's kind of like your league that you belong to. Yeah. So, which is funny. It didn't it wasn't always this way, but no. it kind of is now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So, but one thing too for those that are new, you've probably noticed in the schedule for the main Maybird group, you've, you're seeing some invites for running group, and that running groups for anyone that's interested, it's super fun. Um, they they're designed so you kind of come to like a park or something and there's almost like different running games that you do. And so people of totally different speeds and abilities can come to the same activity. And I mean, it's not just showing up and then at six o'clock we say go and then just run until we're done. It's, it's, it's like, you know, yeah. So, you know, kind of regardless of how good of a runner or how bad of a runner you are, you can come and still have fun. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll keep doing this. This has been a win for this year. Yeah, it's been so awesome. And I am a terrible runner, but I've, it's, it, my running's improved so much this winter. Since yeah, I've come see here. Dan run. That's, that's, that's an attraction, right? That's always fun. It's almost as bad as watching me run. <laughs> uh, but that's the point. You know, neither, neither we're, this is not a, a running team. A lot of cyclists aren't very good runners, but um, it's good for you. It'll yeah. make you a better bike rider. And that's what we're all about. Well, right? and, it, and it's surprising. Like, I can't get my breathing rate as high on a bike as I can running, you know, it's, it's right. It's been really good for my fitness. So, um, but yeah, so any other business we need to run over? Um, not, not that I can think of right now. I think we can probably. All right. So, um, trail etiquette. I, I don't know how much, I guess if you're listening to this, you ride bikes, you've ridden on trails. I think you're roughly familiar with like, you know, when you're going uphill, um, I guess when you're going downhill, you need to yield to everybody. And if you're going uphill on a bike and there's certain people you yield to, there's different, there's the sign you might see that's like a triangle. That's like bikes yield to run hikers and horses and runners yield to horses, but not bike. like, you know, it's, it is kind of confusing and we don't want to scare people. Um, uh, if you're listening to this, you're like, Oh, I don't want to get kicked off the team. If I accidentally don't yield to the right person or whatever, like, um, rest assured we're not we're not looking to kick people off the team we're going to kind of give 
um, hopefully kind of a high level explanation of why this stuff is important and why we feel so strongly about it. And then some kind of practical, like, this is how you should act in a group ride. This is, you know, um, just kind of to make this whole thing work because we, I mean, we're riding bikes in a crowded area these days. You know, we share the trails with a lot of folks. Trail advocacy is a big deal for Maybird getting new trails. And, and this is all uh, part of it. So take it away, Dan. Okay. Yeah. And I thought a lot about how I wanted to kind of present this, you know, and I mean, I think most of us, unless you're just brand new to cycling, I think most of us are pretty basically aware of general trail etiquette. So I, I really thought about how I wanted to present this and, and I want to kind of just point out first, um, the difference between like principles and rules and how, like, if you understand principles, then rules make a lot more sense. And, right. you know, and, and like an example I think of, you know, like, you know, like training and fitness is a huge deal to me. Right. And, and there's so many kids that want to just, just want to be on a training plan. Right. But I think what's way more important that, than that is understand fitness principles, like right. training principles. So it's not just an arbitrary collection of intervals and rides that you're supposed to go on to make you fast. Yeah. Some, some mysterious means. You yeah. Know? You should understand why. Understanding the mechanics of something does kind of help. Uh, you know? Absolutely. Like math classes were always hard for me because I didn't understand why. I just understood you do all these arbitrary steps and then you get the number. Then you get this answer. You know, but the people who are able to grasp why you're doing that do better. Yeah. So... So I think following rules is is so much easier when you understand the principles. Right. And so I, I first kind of wanted to talk about um, just some general principles that I think are just, you know, as I was learning more about these, I just found them really fascinating and I think they'll be fun to discuss. And not only will I, do I think this will help us be better trail users and more pleasant to come across on the trails, I think this is actually the, the things that we'll talk about here, I think really could benefit you for you know in your lives and your careers and just make you better people in general which is right which is really one of my hopes you know I, I really hope that like being part of Maybird actually makes you a better person right so you know so the first thing the first thing I want to the first concept I want to discuss is is something called emotional intelligence mm. Is that a term you're familiar with? It's a term that's more popular these days. You know, kind of people talk about like, oh, well, you know, this person, you could put a math or physics textbook in front of them, they'd have a hard time, but they're good with people. You can understand the way that people feel. You can change the way that you act based on how someone else reacts. And then there are a lot of people where that's not a, an intuitive concept and you, you might know them. They might be kind of difficult to deal with interpersonally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so what emotional intelligence is, it's... It's the ability to identify and productively manage your emotions. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. I think that's kind of a cool definition. And and people and, and sometimes it's called EQ, you know, similar to IQ. Okay. And and people are naturally drawn to people with high EQs. Right. You know, um, and this is something that that we develop through our adulthood. And it's not necessarily something that is typically a strength, especially of like, you know, junior high school age boys and, and high school age boys. Uh, I, I think the girls tend to naturally be a little better at this. Like they are at so many. I think they're things. just expected to be. We have higher expectations for them. <laughs> I mean, is, is this I don't know if you have any idea how to answer this. Like, is this something you're kind of 
born with or is this conditioned? Is it like some people learn this better or is, is there any research on like if some people oh, just come better this way? I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why someone might, this might be something that comes easier for some people than others. Um, but it, I, it is something that really could benefit your life if you can develop and improve. Oh my gosh. I was talking to a coworker about this the other day that like we, we, we've both known people who are insanely smart and crazy hard workers, but like they're, they, they don't, they don't work well with people and it holds you back so much. Like if you're listening to this and you're invested in like your future and careers and stuff, um, I think having a, a, a significant degree of emotional intelligence is more important than what school you go to. <laughs> it's oh, I, a huge I agree. Deal. I mean, we all know people at work that are extremely good at what they do. Right. But nobody can stand them. Yeah. And, and it's hard to keep them around. I remember, right. I remember interviewing when I was going to school, I interviewed a, a pretty prominent business leader and, and we were talking about making mistakes in the workplace or something. He said something I thought was pretty profound. He's like, we don't fire people for making mistakes. We fire people because we don't like them. And, and the funny thing is we're not even talking about people who are just like jerks. Like that's a big part of it. But like emotional intelligence is also just understanding your own emotions too. I think having empathy and being able to connect with people deeply. Well, know? actually that's, um, that was a good unplanned lead in because there's really three parts to emotional intelligence. And um, the first one is self-management. And that's just the ability to, to control like impulsive feelings and to control, to manage your emotions in a productive way. So the difference between being in an argument and getting frustrated and walking out of a room to go, you know, collect your thoughts and punching a hole in the drywall. Yeah. Right. Like impulse control basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the second one is, is super important is self-awareness. And mm, this is, this is where a lot of boys like middle school and high school boys are lacking, huh? <laughs> well, this, and then the next one too. Okay. But, sorry guys. Okay. Um, but yeah, self-awareness from, from what I've learned is really just being able to like identify and even kind of put a name to how you're feeling. Mm, okay. You know, like if, if you're, if something's wrong, you can think, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm upset or I'm right excited or I'm happy, you know, you, you like can analyzing your emotions yeah, you instead can, of just experiencing them. Exactly. Okay. And, and you're also aware of how like your emotions affect your behaviors. You know, you're like, okay. I'm, I'm grumpy. That means I'm going to be, I could treat people poorly if I'm not careful. Right. You know, so, so that's self-awareness. And then the third one, which I think is the one that really applies to us as mountain, as, as cyclists on, on busy trail systems and so forth is social awareness. Mm. And the biggest part of social awareness is, is empathy. Right. Empathy is just huge. Let's define empathy. I, I, th I think a lot of people like misunderstand what the word empathy means. Okay. What, what do you think it is? <clears throat> well, I used to think that empathy was, was more like, like, um, was more like sympathy was like a synonym of sympathy. Like, hmm. Oh, that person's hurting. That sucks. I feel bad. Where, where empathy is like a deeper, I, I, here's how I would feel, or I have felt this and they're feeling like understanding somebody's, um, emotions emotionally and not just analytically. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. What I, I, that's dictionary great. definition is, you know, I don't really have one, but I've huh. always just thought is it's being able to just, you know, try to understand how other people are feeling. And, and, and also I think it's more just realizing that you know, you're really not the only person on this planet that there's other people that have wants and needs and feelings and, 
and you're just not the only person there. And I, so I just Googled empathy by the dictionary is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And this is, this is where like, um, you know, this is where I think a lot of younger people struggle for a number of reasons. I mean, chiefly like your brain's not fully developed, but you also just have had less experiences to learn from, you know? Yeah, for sure. So Another part of social awareness is just being aware of how our actions affect other people. Right. And, you know, an example I was thinking of, and and we've all done this, we're all guilty of this, so hopefully nobody gets offended or anything, is, is, but is cutting in line. Right. Everyone's done it. Everyone's done it. Right. You know, and, and that's just an example where, like, you just think your time's more important than everybody else's, right. you know. And You're in a huge rush and no one else's. You need this more than they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and... and and so that's a that's an example, or like saving tables at Cafe Rio or something. Right. You know? I mean, right. it's like we we've all done it. We've all done that. But you're you're just really thinking that for some reason, at this point in time, you're more important than other people. Right. You know? And I almost think, and this is I'm if tell me to shut up if this is way too far off. Like I almost think that's a good measure of like someone's morality. You well, know. I, no, I really do mean that. Like if I'm thinking like what I don't think, I mean it's okay. That doesn't make you like a bad person, but like a person who is considerate of other people in the world around in the way that their actions affect other, those are great people. And those are people you like being around. You know, they're people whose company you value um, and people who like get promoted at work, even if they don't have the same credentials, just because they're nicer to be around and they're nicer to interact with. Oh yeah. So I, I think where, where social awareness and hopefully we, we use the term social awareness a lot during this right. episode, because yeah. I really want it to, to stick with people is where this comes to like trail etiquette is, is our fun really shouldn't come at the expense of other people's experience. Right. So this is that, ah, that's, that's the kind of like, like crux of this issue here, huh? Oh, absolutely. That we run into. And again, we're all guilty of that on the trail. Every, if you ride mountain bikes, you've, you've, you've made a mistake before, you know, you've put your own enjoyment over somebody else's comfort. Yeah. Well said. So I, um, I had this theory, you know, have, have you ever had an experience where <clears throat> you run into someone on a trail and, and you have like a difficult situation or confrontation? confrontation. Yes. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, it's happened to everybody. Yes. And, and, and on both sides of it, you know, where, yeah. where somebody's crashed into me or I've crashed into someone. Yeah. Yeah. And it will, ha- if it hasn't happened, it will happen. It will happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I was kind of thinking about this and, and I had this theory that, you know, it kind of seems like every time I've been aware of some type of a confrontation on the trail with, with maybe some of my riders or some of my own kids, it seems like it's usually with somebody that's not having a good time, that's not having fun. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's it's almost like it usually happens with like like an amateur type rider that's maybe out of shape or... It's kind of struggling, not having a good time. <clears throat> And then something goes wrong and, and it, um, you know, I don't know if it just, just it kind compounds of, the situation. Well, but I think it kind of does. So, yeah. And on the flip side, you know, every time I've run into like had a, a dealing with an elite level rider out on the trails, yeah. it's always been a pleasant experience. Yeah. It's always there. Like every interaction I've ever had with like an elite level rider, they're always very polite. Yes. Friendly. Right. And I think it's because they're comfortable with who they are out there and right. they're having fun. And you don't, not and even a pro, you don't have to be on a sponsored bike, just somebody who's, who's good at cycling. 
you know, good like, cyclists are nice. Like, yeah. And especially like cross country cyclists. I honestly think that like cross country cyclists are the nicest cyclists out there. It seems like culturally it, it is a less confrontational kind you know, like I don't, I don't want to like discriminate based on your favorite discipline here, but it, it does seem like gravity oriented riders have a, a more kind of self-centered view of how well, trails should work. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I don't and think that's a huge stretch to say that, you know, and maybe road cyclists or I'll, I'll, I'll stop you there as, as somebody with like an overpriced road bike, I'll, I'll stick up for roadies here. Cause I've, I've had bad, I've had bad interactions and good interactions with all kinds of people and all kinds of bikes, you know? Yeah. So, you know, in, in preparing for this, um, I came across a really interesting book and the book's called don't be a dick. Mm. And first of all, is that okay for me to say, do you think anyone is Is dick? Okay. Yeah. I I think if you have a problem hearing the word dick, that means you have a problem. Okay. I was going to say, I can, I can change it to jerk if we want to. No, I think, I think, I think we're good. We're not going to lose like a clean rating or anything. Nope. We, yeah, no, we've, I don't think we've ever had an explicit episode. If, if you're looking <laughs> back, there's no little E next to any of ours. We keep it pretty, we keep it pretty PG here. Yeah. So the, the book was called don't be a dick by Mark Borg PhD. And, and it was, it was a really interesting book. I, um, you know, I, someone gave it to me as a gift just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Did they give you that along with some like uh, some like body wash and some breath mints? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually just uh, I heard the author on a podcast and and I went and looked up the book and bought it on Apple and have been listening to it while I've driven around. That's how podcasts well, work. You know, <laughs> you, Dan buys stuff he hears about all the time. That's yeah. one of your, you know, marketing works on Dan. So but I just want to talk a little bit about this book because it was it was really interesting. Um so, you know, one of the things he pointed out is that, you know, we're all going to deal with dicks throughout our life. Right. Or jerks if, right. you know, but, and, and one thing that we really need to be is empathetic with, mm. with dicks because a lot of time, well, pretty much all the time they are dealing with something that we don't really understand. And it's, it's usually like a conscious or unconscious mental condition and a lot of times these people that act like jerks or dicks, they're, they're really just uncomfortable in their own skin. Right. And they're very sensitive about their vulnerabilities. Hmm. Interesting. Know. That's a, Cause it is like, like you always say, like, like the jokes, like, you know, like people who drive big trucks are compensating, you know, that like people may be compensating for their insecurity by no, if I, I learned how to drive in a big truck, like <laughs> no, no hate for big trucks here, but like that, that kind of idea, right. That like if people are, I think a lot of people look at every single interaction they have in the world as a zero sum. I win, you lose, you know, if, if something's good for someone else, it's bad for me. I'm weak. I need to protect myself. It's like, I think weak people tend to be like that. Yeah. Like, um, like one thing you pointed out is like, like acting out is is a demand for recognition right in and toddlers it is yeah it's yeah. the same it's thing the same i mean thing. my my fiance is, is an elementary school teacher she says that all the time you know that's like the classic they're looking for attention right yeah and and so i i thought that was just an interesting com, uh, hmm. concept that we should have empathy and, and almost feel bad for people that are jerks or dicks right. and um, to go back to the point you made a second ago like I, when I when I said and when Dan and I said you will have these experiences that are confrontations on the trail, somebody listening is like, "Oh, my trail etiquette's perfect." If your trail etiquette is perfect, you will have confrontations. You but know, you will like, have less confrontations. You'll have less, but there will be other confrontations where you know somebody is mad at you for something. And and I will say, 
um, we're, we take this very seriously, but there will be cases where people are mad at you because you're out on the trails and they're annoyed that you're there. And no matter how nice you are, they're going to be mad. That's not all of them, but I will, and I will stand up for, I have stood up for my riders. Like, look, nobody here did anything wrong. You're having a bad day. This is on you. On the flip side, I've also apologized for my riders and then berated them <laughs> for being dicks. Right. But I think it's important that like, and I don't know where you're going with this, but like not to escalate these situations, you know, like road rage happens when a crazy person gets mad and then the other person reacts with anger and then gets shot. You know, like we want to, I think well, all of us, we would encourage you to like take these situations and remember that like this person has a problem. You might not have done anything wrong if you did apologize and make it right. But if you didn't, and you're dealing with a crazy, angry person out on the trails, diffuse the situation yeah. be nice don't be a weak person like they're being and, yeah and we are going to talk in a sec about how to deal with the dicks right but um but the first part is just having some empathy right towards them and, and, and one is is just like recognizing you know your part in in the problem right you know, because we do one, one thing about um about these type of people that that was pointed out in the book that i thought was interesting is they kind of the, like these people you know, if, if you're a dick, you're in you're in this vicious cycle throughout your life where, you know, it usually stems from a kind of a, a deep dislike of something about yourself. And this causes you to act out. And then when you act out, this causes people to want to avoid you. And this avoidance kind of subconsciously makes you want to, it, you know, it hurts you and makes you act out more. Right. Which makes you dislike yourself even more, you know, so right. it just kind of is this vicious cycle. And he said something interesting that, um, you know, the phrase was hurt people, hurt people. That is interesting. I thought that, yeah. You know, so, so when you do deal, deal with people that are, that are difficult, just have, try to have a little understanding, you know, maybe, I mean, you definitely probably could be part of the problem. Right. And, and you just need to recognize your role in that. Um, so, he kind of, kind of the whole key to the book though was that that not being a dick is the key to a happier life can i share i i jump i'm jumping in i should say i'm jumping in more than i like to here but i, I do actually have an anecdote that i think is really relevant here okay um i work in uh medical staffing my job is to find doctors and and put them to work places where, where they need doctors right and i specifically specialize in cardiology um, so I'm dealing with people who aren't just doctors. They're doctors who have gone through additional training. They're doctors who have, you know, um, done, uh, you know, they, they could have been an internist, but then they've done a fellowship to become a cardiologist. And some of them have done a fellowship to become an interventional cardiologist or a cardiothoracic surgeon. These are people who have jumped through every single hole and who are, who have to be really, really intelligent. And we find a lot of them have significant interpersonal problems. This is not something that you're exempted from once you become rich and successful. And there's one doctor I'm thinking of in particular. I get an email from him almost every month. I've, I've done this for, you know, less than a year. And we hear from, I'm, I obviously won't share his name, but we, we, everybody on my, on my team gets an email from this guy every two to four weeks. Um, he is an interventional cardiologist who appears to be competent. He has never been sued by any, any of his patients. He hasn't messed up. By all accounts, he's a good doctor, but he is such an unpleasant person that we have on two occasions tried to put him to work and he's been fired within a week just because he's a dick. And this guy, I've, I've had a conversation with him before I knew who he was, where he insinuated that he's kind of in financial trouble 
that you know he he might have a significant amount of medical school debt. He might just have too many fancy cars and houses and stuff. But this guy has hijacked a lifetime worth of work in school you know, training we're doing. I mean, if anybody's listening to this as a physician, you think about the residency hours you did staying up all night for years, you know, um, you know, all the time put in to, to, to learn the skills and to become a competent interventional cardiologist. And this guy is so addicted to being an angry dick that he's like broke. He cannot get work, you know? And so like, this is like, like Dan said, we're not just talking about how to have a good time on the trails. Like these are good, you know, you can, you can really mess your life up by being a jerk. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, one of the things that this book pointed out is that people that are dicks live in worlds that are full of dicks. Right. You know, because like if, if you're a dick or a jerk, the people that deal with you are also going to treat you right. like a dick or a jerk. And, and the opposite's True. Yeah. You People know, tend to reciprocate whatever behavior you present them with. You know, if if you're a pleasant, nice person, you're going to be in a world full of pleasant, nice people. Right. And and so he said the best way to pro, uh, pro, like protect yourself from dicks is to not be one. That is actually really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. You know, um, one, one thing he, he pointed out, too, that I thought was kind of interesting is... Um, he, he said that cathartic relief is a myth. <laughs> you don't feel better when you punch a hole in the drywall. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. That's basically venting is it really doesn't work and it really only makes you want to vent more. Right. And he compared, I thought this was kind of funny. He compared it to farting. <laughs> <laughs> where, that's interesting. Okay. You know, where it's like you might experience some relief, but everyone else in the room gets uncomfortable. And you might not even experience relief. I don't know if that. It really doesn't work. Because like if you if, if, if you've ever been in an argument with somebody you care about and, and you finally just lash out and say that bad thing, it's it, never like, oh, now it's better. You know, like. No, it really. It, yeah, it it's, it's really a myth and it really yeah. doesn't work. And there's better, better ways to deal with those things. So, you know, so he, he gave some steps on how to deal with a dick, hmm. you know, and obviously the first one is is. The most important one is, is not to be one because yeah. if you're not one, you're not going to, you it'll, really it'll aren't going to reduce gonna... the likelihood of you running into them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the first thing you do, if you do, cause we all will deal with the first thing to do. And this is super important to remember is to hit pause. Okay. To hit pause, to not just hurry and react. Right. And, and he said that, you know, probably the best way to hit pause is, is when you're faced with that situation is to tell yourself, don't be a dick. Okay. And so I had an experience um, okay. just, this is just last week. This is actually, I had this experience while, while I was listening to this book. Really? Yeah. So okay. I, was, I was taking Amy to skyline in the morning. Okay. My light was green. I go to turn right on a green light. Right. A kid in a Tesla was <clears throat> turning left at the same time. Mm. And last time I checked from, from what I remember in driver's driver's ed, I had the right away. So Correct. I go. Yep. He just lays on his horn at me. Yes. And instantly my blood just started to boil. Yep. I got, because yep. so, he was basically questioning my being right. Right. And, and and being so confidently wrong. It's infuriating. And I was just infuriated. And I'm a, I'm a nice guy, you know, but for some reason I was I just, should say really quick, for all his flaws, Dan is a genuinely nice person, I think to a fault. Um, we're not dealing with somebody who is a, like has like an anger addiction here. This is this is somebody who will let people walk all over him. But I I just <laughs> I just instantly got upset and I started thinking, 
oh, I want to follow this kid to his parking lot and explain the rules. That, right, then, right, right. All of a sudden, the phrase came to my mind, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I'm like, you know what? This kid, I don't know what he's dealing with. I mean, he could yep. have problems right. that I don't even, that he doesn't even understand. Right. That he, you know, that, you know, and, and it's not a big deal. I got honked at. Like, yep. it didn't hurt. You're okay. I'm not bleeding. I right. mean, he didn't, my car's not broken. You know, mm-hmm. it was just big deal. I can still have a good day. Right. You know, so, so yeah. So hit pause. Like, right. don't, that, that's the don't first escalate. one. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Just, just think to yourself, you know, if something like that happens, the first thing you need to think to your pause button is to think, right. Don't be a jerk or don't be right. a dick. Yeah. So the next, the, the second thing in dealing with the dick is, is just take an inventory in your part of the issue. Okay. You know, cause a lot of times, like when people are upset at you, they might have a legitimate reason why. Yeah. You they know, might be like, overreacting, but they're yeah. reacting, right? And then the third one, and I think this is really important to remember, is to respond rather than react. Interesting. So can I can I throw it? This is, this is something I've, I've... Like, how many times is there like a road rage thing and people get out of control and somebody gets killed? I Like, that's an extreme example. But like, how many times does your reaction, your inability to hit pause... Think about, you know, what's going on. And then like, you know, in a place where a lot of people have deadly weapons all the time, you like, how often do like arguments that are just completely trivial in the grand scheme, someone getting cut off in traffic, someone being late, you know, like turn into violence, like turn into people going to jail and stuff like that. You know, like think, I, yeah. I, like how many times do those people look back and like, man, I am so, so glad I handled it, it I know, that way. right? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, because, because, like one thing this book pointed out is that we shouldn't just be doormats that get walked over, right? You know, and and really to be like a successful person, you don't have to be a. Di- In fact, that's just like old school flaw. And yeah, you know, that's a very nineteen fifties mindset. Yeah, you know? and that is it's it's almost the opposite case. Nowadays. I've met the CEO of my company several times of a, of a multi billion. I think I'm correct in saying a multi billion dollar company. Really nice guy. And, and same with the CEO of my company. He right. couldn't be a nicer guy. Yeah, like. Um, and, and like, I was just thinking about like the, like, if you look at the back of our jerseys, like the people that have sponsored our team, mm-hmm. the, each of those logos represents a very successful business person. Oh yeah. And I was thinking about each one of those people are just some of the nicest, kindest people you'll ever meet. Right. And, and, and I honestly think that they're, um, they're intellectual like or not intellectual IQ. They're social IQ. Intellectual IQ is just IQ. They're, they're, they're emotional Dan's, IQ. Dan's intellectual IQ is kind of low. <laughs> their emotional IQ is 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 high, which actually has yeah. contributed to their success. I think there yeah. are very few jobs where you can have a low EQ. If that's oh, that kind of sounds new age and cheesy, but like there are very few jobs where you can be a dick and be successful. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's like if that's a problem that you have figure it out because you study all you want. Don't, don't end up being this doctor that calls me once a month. Yeah. So, so really, um, just kind of to wrap up this little section, uh, empathy is the cure to dickery is something that came up in the book. And I would add like empathy and, and social intelligence Yes, is, is the cure to dickery. And, and, you know, and I'm confident that, you know, if we can, be pleasant, cool, nice people, mm-hmm. people will return the same treatment to us and it'll, right. it'll just, it'll bless our lives. Right. Um, I, so I was, I was just thinking of a story, you know, I was, um, 
we were doing a, we were doing a group ride that we you know and for the group ride we actually just pre-rode a midweek course because there was a midweek race coming up and mm-hmm. and i was riding with a girl that was was slower and she was kind of struggling fairly new to mm-hmm. cycling and we were pre-riding and this might have been her first race i can't remember but mm-hmm. um and i i noticed behind me two riders coming up and they both they were both very elite riders they yeah. a guy and a girl they just they were just floating up the trail right. effortlessly there's some cues you guys will learn when you see a pro you'll know a pro. yeah you could just tell they were pro riders right and and they effortlessly caught up to us and it was kind of in a tight little section that would have yeah. been a little difficult to pull over and i go hey do you guys want us to do you guys want us to get out of your way and this this pro rider goes no man she's doing awesome <laughs> and i thought i thought that was just the coolest response yep. and we we rode up a little ways and when it when it got when the trail kind of widened up a little bit we into a road we kind of pulled over and the girl that was riding with them rode up next to the girl and just starts talking to her yeah and asking where she's from and how long she's been riding and they just had this little conversation and it just gave me like you get chills. I got the chills. It was such a cool experience. And I don't even remember, I don't even know who these people were, No, but it just gave me the best impression. And and it is something I just remember all the time when I'm interacting with people on the trails is the, the, you know, the impression that we can make. So, you know, we've kind of talked about just some principles about why it's important to treat other people well in life and, and, you know, and, and on the trails. Now let's, well, I just wanted to go through just kind of a list of just some more specific things that we should be mm-hmm. aware of. Now, I, this list that I've got, Joe, I actually put together like five minutes before we recorded. Oh, okay. All right. Didn't put a whole lot of thought into these. Um, so I, I might have I forgot a few things, but I really don't this think... This is not an exhaustive list. <laughs> and, and I don't think we need an exhaustive no. list because if I think we just understand the importance of being cool, not being a dick, and and being aware like socially aware of other humans and their feelings that we you know you don't need a whole lot of rules yeah and it's also some of this stuff is pretty common sense, it's pretty common sense it just it's kind of like a die use your brain yeah you know and and, and these aren't in any kind of order they were just the yeah, order that i'm ranking kind of, how important they are yeah you can forget about numbers you know one through six yeah <laughs> so so the first one is is respect your coaches okay okay um I'll try to give you a ton of thoughts on all of these. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, you can because it. Oh, okay. So our coaches are volunteers. Yes. No one gets paid. They do the opposite. They, yes. They. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do not get paid. They do this. There's other things they could be doing. They could be writing on their own. Yes. Yes. So be respectful to your coaches. Yes. And now some examples, um, you know, it's really hard to lead a group if they're spread out all over the place. Yes. Stay together. Yes. Okay. Yes. Super important. Um, and then the other thing is like, if your coach is saying something, you should be listening. You should yes. pay attention. Yes. Okay. Like if they start to talk and you're talking to your buddy, stop talking to your buddy and listen to your coach. Yes. And I'd throw out really quick, like there are some, we don't just think we don't, we're not just authoritarian people who like it when you, you know, salute and stand up straight. Like this is a very practical thing in our end. Like taking a whole bunch of kids mountain biking is really dangerous. We incur 
a lot of, of not just like danger, but like liability. And I'd, I'd remind people like really quick, if you're listening to this, Maybird cannot survive a lawsuit. If, if one of you gets seriously hurt or hurt somebody else or has any part in any kind of significant accident, this team is over. <laughs> so when we're sometimes we will have to ride on the road. Sometimes we'll be at the Rotary Park at Shoreline and we'll have to cross uh, Sunnyside to get over to uh, the Shoreline parking lot. You need to listen and do what coaches say. Riding off on your own and trying to ride that cool little thing you see on the side when your coach tells you not to is not okay. And that is another thing we will kick people off the team for. Never had to do it. I hope we never have to ever have to do it. But it's been tempting sometimes. It's been tempting. Yeah. This this is a dangerous thing that we do. And if you do not listen to your coach, you cannot participate. End of story. And the last I'd almost call this a pet peeve mm-hmm. when when it comes to like respecting your coaches is um don't give unsolicited route advice to your coach. No. Uh, you know, a lot of times your coaches kind of have a route in mind and, and you'll, you'll have this route in mind as kids like, Oh, I want to go do rush. Right. Let's go down bobsled instead. Yeah. There, we choose where we ride for very deliberate reasons. And I've, and I think I put, if you're listening to this, you should have signed a waiver, a form or an application with us, hopefully. And one of the things I put in there was, unless you are aware of some kind of imminent risk of bodily harm, by doing what if you know if you know that there's a moose over there or that that there's a cliff that the coach like I can't even fathom what it would be. It's very uh, uncommon for this to happen. Obviously, if you are aware of some immediate safety risk that's associated with what the coach coach is asking you to do, fine. If there's another trail that you prefer, don't bother riding with Maybird. Go do all your rides on your own all the time and do whatever you want, and, and that's not our problem. But if you're riding with us, you need to listen to your coach. I mean, if your coach says, hey, guys, where do you want to ride today? Offer suggestions. Right. But if the coach has a ride plan, do it. Do it. And okay. if you don't want to do it, don't ride with us. Yeah. All right. So that's um, the next one, and I think this is this is super important. We've gone over this before, is we really try to manage our group size Yes. To smaller, tight groups. And we're going to talk about this a lot. We talked about this a lot in our last podcast, which everyone should go back and listen to. Now that it's fixed. Sorry. It's fixed now. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow in our coaches meeting. But, um, you know, keep the group group sizes small and tight together. Um, I think that's just a, a socially aware thing to do. Right. You know. Um, if you, if you show, tra- <laughs> sorry, if you use the trails a lot, you have been out when a Nike team with 45 kids that are all riding together has passed you and it's the worst. Or, or even if they're not all riding together, but there's like for, for t- 45 minutes on your ride, you're passing people or they're yeah. passing you. That sucks. We don't, that's not a thing we do. Yeah. We, we try and keep our group small and tight. Yes. Um, which usually involves listening to your coaches and staying with your coaches. Um, it's a, it's a being a socially aware thing. Uh, and third thing is, is parking lot etiquette. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think manuals are just as sick as the next guy. Can I throw something out there? Most people can do a wheelie. Yeah. You, you don't have to show uh, us. Yeah. It's uh, not that hard to do. If you can't do a wheelie, don't feel bad. I, okay, know I, I feel bad because I can't do a wheelie. So, but that's cause I'm old. I, I'm addressing the people who do do wheelie. like the other teenage boys in the parking lot with you. Cause this is exclusively a male problem that I've observed. They can almost all do wheelies too. Um, doing tricks in the parking lot makes you look like a juvenile idiot. I'm just like, I've never seen, I've seen, I have seen Peter Sagan in person. <laughs> he was not wheeling around the parking lot, you know, like um, bike, bike rider, amazing bike riders have amazing skills and they use them on the trails. <laughs> yeah. Don't so silly. Go to your church parking silly. lot and practice your wheelies there. Yeah, sure. I think, and, and it's, I think it's cool. You can do them. Yeah. Just don't show us it. 
practice well. Don't do it through the PCMR parking lot where people are trying to park and it's dangerous. Go to an empty parking lot on your own time or with your buddy and do that. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. So annoying. Yeah. And you know, and also the people in parking lots, they're trying to back out. They're trying. Oh my it, gosh. And if you've got kids screwing around, it may, it, yeah. not a good time. Yeah. When you, when you meet for a ride, like gather in a group off the parking lot yes. somewhere and, and listen to your coach. Okay. Okay. All right, I think we made that pretty clear. Yep. <laughs> um, Dan will give you like the nice version and I'll give you the real how we feel version. Okay, so fourth one is is a huge, 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 huge one is just being friendly. Yes. Oh, my yes. God, so God. underrated. Yeah. So underrated. And I'll, I'll say again with the, the Dan thing, that is a thing you look for in pros. I cannot th- I've met a ton of pro writers. I've, I've worked in the bike industry for five years. I've been riding bikes for 10 years. I've... I cannot think of a professional cyclist that I have met, interfaced with, or observed in any way who wasn't really nice. They're probably out there, but I I haven't met one. You know, for me personally, the faster they are, the nicer they are too. I don't know. And it's like, yeah, I don't know why that is. But yeah, if you want to be a fast cyclist, you guys are going to have to be nice people too. Yep. So, so... When you pass somebody on the trail, always say hi. Like, like it's something everybody here knows how to do. I'm yep. pretty sure. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to say, "Hey, how's it going? Hey, how how you doing? Hey, howdy, what's up?" A friendly howdy. You don't have to make like make small talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you just like howdy. How's it going, folks? Thanks so much. You know, I'll appreciate it's, it. The three back. You know, it's, nice day, huh? It's so awkward when you pass somebody and they don't say hi or don't like, say on my group last year, we'd be, we'd be like, Oh wow. Serial killer. You know, <laughs> like it's really easy. If you're, if you are a diagnosed sociopath, let us know and we will exempt you from this rule. Cause it's hard for you. Everybody else, like you should be able to do this. So Bo Foreman, um, gave some, tr- he has like the best trail etiquette. And oh my gosh. So good. He is so, so good charismatic on the trail and so are all the people that have ridden with him i love that he rides in a maybe jersey because it makes us look so good yes and and it's almost contagious yes and he gave me some he gave some trail advice once that is just the best and it was just smile and the world smiles back lovely mr rogers kind of thing yeah right there you go no i I love that i love that that's that's awesome you know, obviously, it's pr- polite to announce how many people are in the group. Yes. And it's nice to say when you're the last one. Right. Um, you know, that's just something that yep. most people, I think, do. And if you don't, it's a good thing. One thing, you know, if you ever see someone off to the side of the trail that that's obviously in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. um, don't like a lot of times, don't just say, you good? Yeah. You know, don't you think it would be more effective to say something like, is there anything, do you need anything yeah. or, or even how can I help you? Yeah. Um, rather than just saying you're good and going right. by, you know, so. And if you're not saying you're good, that's the bare minimum. You're, you know, when I say you're good is when I'm on my road bike going 25 miles an hour or something flat or slightly downhill. And it's not practical for me to like go down to five miles an hour. You're like, you should say you're good no matter what. You should at least say something. You, that's but, the bare minimum bonus points for like, so like, Hey, you guys have everything, you know, like you can just say that really yeah, quick or you can say, can, can I help you guys with anything? Cause even if you don't have a tube on you, you might have a phone and theirs is dead. Yeah. You know, like they might not speak English and be on vacation and have no idea where they are. And you could be helpful. Like if, especially if you do, if you were, if I ever saw somebody wearing a Maybird Jersey, just pass somebody who's obviously in trouble. I mean, if they're just sitting off checking the map or whatever, fine. But if you pass somebody who's obviously in trouble and you're in a Maybird Jersey and you don't, um, 
and you don't offer to help, bring it back to our house. We'll refund your money and you can go buy another team's jersey and ride with them. <laughs> you know, one time I did, you know, I was off to the side of the trail fixing something mm-hmm. and several people rode by and several people are like, you good? You need any help? You mm-hmm. Anything you need? And I had everything I need. Yep. I was fine. But it just made me feel like the world was a better yeah. place. Like I was just like it's almost. It's a community of people doing the same thing I'm and like, having a good time. I'm like, man, these people that ride bikes are cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So here's another kind of personal pet peeve of mine about kind of on the subject about being friendly mm-hmm. is when, when you pass people, don't try and be funny. Nope. Don't try and be a comedian. Nope. It, it's just, it's, you're not funny and it's nope. annoying. Okay. I mean, try to make people smile. No, don't make them laugh. You know, that's, yeah. you'll, you'll you, rarely pull that off. Yeah. You'll mostly just look like a tool. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I know it's hard, but I think to kind of sum up a lot of this, just don't be annoying. Yep. You know, it's, that's this a big is, ask for some, this people. is hard, especially for the boys. I mean, I'm, you know, like I'm a reverse sexist, I guess. Um, it's, I, Dan and I talk about you guys at home around the dinner table you know, and like, there are some people that we say good things about. And there's some people that were like, can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? Ha ha ha. What a, you know, that's silly. Like, yeah. why would you do that? Don't try to be, try to be the former, you know, because if we talk about you, everybody else in your life does too. Be nice. Don't be annoying. Yeah. Use your brain. Social awareness. Social awareness. And it's, it's a skill. It, it might be, it, you might have, it might have to be deliberate for some people. I think for a lot of people, it comes naturally. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily one of those people. I have some tendencies that you, you know, this, that aren't great that I have to no, deliberately, really? right. Isn't that crazy? Um, but yeah, do it, make an effort. If you don't make an effort, find another team. So, yeah. All right. Let's just talk about right away. I think, I think most people are familiar with this. If you're yep. brand, brand, brand new, you're probably not, but bikes always, always, always yield to runners and hikers. Yep. Even if you're going uphill. You, there and I, I should say this is confusing. I have actually had people ask me this before. There might be some situations where you should yield to somebody, but they're like, "I'm a solo runner, and there's four of you, and I'm going downhill, and you're going uphill. I'll hop out of your way." You are not entitled to that. I, I should say, like, um, and if somebody is nice enough to like give up their right of way, because you know, because there are some situations where it makes sense, right? It's very easy for them to let you go by, even though you should technically yield like thank them even more. Like, oh man, thanks so much. That's so nice of you. Like go, go a little above and beyond. Um, um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm giving so yeah. much unsolicited. Cause, cause like, like, well, cause like runners and hikers will usually get, I mean, they'll usually get out of your way cause you're right. moving faster. Right. But technically they don't have to, no. and they're being very nice yes. to do it. So what do you do when someone's being nice? You oh my gosh. Them. Thanks guys. Like act surprised. Like, oh wow. That is so like you're, it's almost like they're giving you a gift. You don't have to do that. You know, it's nice that they do. And it kind of, and I do think it kind of makes the trails work better. If it, like when I'm out hiking on my own, I get out of the way for people, yeah. you know, I mean, but I don't have to, and they don't have to. So, you know, like you've never taken, but they gift. usually, but they always do. Like, have you ever taken a gift from someone and said nothing? Wouldn't that be so weird and uncomfortable for everyone involved? Like if I like handed you a, like a, a box with a bow on it and you just said nothing, that would how be weird would that be? Yeah. And that's the, ex- and like when people yeah. do that on the trail, like kind of serial weird. killer vibes again. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No serial killer. <laughs> so downhill riders always yield to uphill riders. Just no matter what. Even no. if they try to get out of your way, like I have some thoughts on this, but you, you go first. I have some thoughts too. And this okay. is kind of... Um, this is the big one. Yeah. This is the one where you most often run into problems. So one thing, you know, if if you're going downhill super fast, if you're going downhill... And some hikers, say some hikers get out of your way, 
you still slow way yes. the heck down yes. and pass them at a crawling pace and say something super friendly to them. Yes. I, I was with some riders once and they were bombing down a, a, a trail. And these are some good riders that I like a lot. You know, I was, um, and some hikers got out of the way and these guys like just still just flew past Blitzed them by full speed. <clears throat> yep. And, and, you know, and I, I slowed down and I, 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 to the hikers that got out of the way, I'm like, I am so sorry. They should have slowed down. And they're like, they looked a little scared, you know, because yeah. really if you're a hiker and a, a, a mountain bike going down a hill at 30 miles per hour is, it's scary. And here's the thing that I always tell people, you might know that you are in control and that both you and the hiker are safe. You, you might, and you might be right. You might be correct in thinking that I have total control of this situation. This isn't challenging for me. I'm going fast. I'm a competent cyclist. They don't know that. And it's kind of, if you haven't driven yet, they always teach you defensive driving. Like you kind of, and it, like you kind of assume that everyone's an idiot to make sure that you don't get hurt. Right. Um, that cyclist does not know, or that hiker does not know you. Um, that runner does not know you. They don't know that you're in control. And to them, they have to assume that you're not. And it's really scary. Um, I'm going to throw something out. I, th I don't ever want to see a Maybird rider get a downhill KOM on, on a Maybird ride or in a Maybird jersey. Um, I Unless it's on a directional if it's trail. A, obviously, right? Yeah. If it's a trail side, great. That'd be really cool if somebody could do that. Go do that. But um, <clears throat> like, I am not impressed when people ride downhill really fast in... On mixed-use trails. On mixed-use trails. Right? There are some places that you can have some reasonable assumption of, I'm going to descend fast. Like, if somebody's coming up rush, you yeah, know, that's... obviously still be careful. Like, you never want to hurt anybody, even if they're being an idiot. But, like, especially, like, if you're going down Canyon Hollow, if you're going down Dry Creek, um, a lot of these places we even try to eliminate from our rides because, you know, like, we don't ever... You, like, you go downhill if it's an emergency, right? Like, you, it's raining and lightning, you have to... That the riders, the, like the other trail users, don't know that you're a good cyclist, and they don't know that you're in control, and it's scary. Don't do that, ever, 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 ever. For you know, I want you guys to be fast downhill riders yes. because that's part of it. You have to be at least a decent downhill rider to stand a chance in an XC Correct. race. You yeah. know, it's a skill. It's a skill we will teach you. Fitness is more important, by the way, but Ooh. it is important to mm -hmm. be to have competent skills and be able to go fast. Yes, but you know what? Um, that you don't learn that on Canyon hollow. You, you, that's why, like, I think like, you know, doing some midweek races yeah. are great because mm -hmm. usually the trails are kind of closed off yeah. a little bit. You can still run into trail, but it's, it's a time where it's, it's acceptable to open up. It's and reasonable for you to assume that it's, and, and like, and in some cases, like I have run into somebody hiking up rush before. That is a thing that happened to me several years ago. And he got upset. And I, I explained, this is the most popular downhill cycling trail in the state of Utah you shouldn't be hiking up this. And even in that, you, you know, like, um, those, 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 and this situation happens a lot where riders or where other trail users are scared of us, you know, and it's more the kind of scared we're talking about here. Cause I think, you know, like, like my wife, she likes to hike yeah. and, and she refuses to hike anywhere that bikes are allowed because she is so afraid mm -hmm. of getting run over by some, yeah. Someone just bombing down the trail. And Nika and, and Nika kids are notorious for this. You know, like it's and this is why like I kinda roll my like I, I don't get that much of a kick out of um uh bobsled. Doesn't do much for me. But I like that, that trail exists because that's one of those places where like, yeah, you go, you go as fast as you want down bobsled. Hundred percent. But like I see people bombing down um like I actually 
uh, I was helping my my now fiance on quarry. We were fixing a flat. Some guy went past us. Like it was almost impressive how fast they were going. They were obviously a good bike rider. I got on my bike and rode after him. I was like, hey, you passed us way too fast back then. And I should say like in a skin suit with a road helmet, I caught a guy in a downhill, like a full face helmet, you know, throw that out there. And I told this guy, you were riding so fast there. That was so scary. Could you please not do that on our trails? And, and he was apologizing. Oh, sorry, man. It's, I'm like, there are other trails for you to do that on. This isn't one of them. And we'll try to, I think maybe it'll try to give some reasonable opportunity. Like there are some trails in like Bob's Basin and other stuff that are downhill only that you can do that on. But even there, there might be a downhill rider that crashed in front of you. And you don't want to or, run Or someone going slower ahead of you or yeah. something. And, and like riding right up on someone's tail while you wait for him to pass. Like that's not cool either, you know? Yeah. 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 So hopefully we've made this, this point really, really clear. Yeah. But, you know, there are places that you can, you can practice your mm-hmm. speed and we encourage it. Yes. Um, but there's places where it's just not appropriate. No. You know, one, well, like one example is, is, is kind of sad that like the crest, I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. It's a zoo. It sucks. I don't like riding it anymore. I mean, it's like the most beautiful trail in Utah, but like I, I feel so bad for people that try to hike and run mm-hmm. on it because I think these people that buy a shuttle pass think they're entitled to yes. bomb down it like they paid for a lift ticket at Deer Valley. You know, it's not the right. same thing. And And like I will say like my rush example like those cases are the minority it's it's a very rare when you have somebody upset at you and you're in the right for going fast downhill that is almost never the case um i could probably name all the trails in utah where that applies or all the trails that we ride it's it's probably five or fewer the vast majority of trails that we're riding if somebody is upset at you like you probably did something wrong i think it's it's pretty rare for me to see a hiker upset at a mountain biker and it's just the hiker's problem. Yeah. So, so just be very socially aware when you're descending a hill of people that could be coming up yep. or hikers or other trail users. So and I will reiterate, I'm so sorry Dan, to keep cutting into this. I will reiterate one more time. Coaches, if you're listening to this, if you have repeat problems with this, we need to know. And riders who are listening, we will kick you off this team. Well, let me actually, let me, let me back up just a bit. Yeah. Coaches, if you're listening, this is why I prefer a coach to lead on the descent. Yes. Um, don't just turn your kids loose and go, no. down. you know, I would rather have a responsible adult kind of set the pace on the descent. And, um, you know, and sometimes if you've, you know, if you've got an adult leading, you can let him get ahead a little bit so yeah. he can open up in, in mm-hmm. spots. But yeah. So, but, and, and again, like if, if this is, if this is something you're not willing to do, you're not on this team. And if we, and like, and I'm, I'm saying this because like a lot of this stuff is like, okay, it'd be nice or whatever. Like we will not work with you if this is something that you can't pull off. Everybody listening to this is capable of not being a monster on trails. Okay. Well, let's, um, one other thing, we'll switch gears. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hate it. I'm going to explain for people who don't listen, like we, it's, it's not a pun. We're not trying to be funny. I just like, that's just, I like, say that all it's such a use uh, turn of phrase. I use it at work. Yeah. Okay. We'll switch gears. Just to forgive us forever for that. Okay. We're going to switch gears now. <clears throat> all right. So what, just another thing to think, to, to be aware of too, like if you're climbing and, and especially if you're in a group or, or whenever and a faster rider catches you, mm-hmm. You technically don't have to let them buy. You mm. you own the trail if you're, but that's dumb. Don't like, be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't don't be like, oh, there's a good spot that I'm going to run into in a minute. Yeah, if if someone catches you, let them buy as soon as you as can. As soon as you can. That's yeah. just a socially aware thing to do. It's cool, in, you know. And it, um, 
Yeah. So like it's and that's that's a tricky one because it's like I I can't get angry at you for making me wait two minutes to let me pass to look for the perfect position for you, but people will roll their eyes at you so hard and you will look like the biggest fool. So like don't obviously we're gonna kick you off the team. Which is another reason it's good to have smaller groups because like if there's twenty people in your group you really can't like no. pull over. I mean, it's, it's really, so that person's just stuck behind you until you get to like a and, fork or a road. That so that sucks so bad. So yeah, don't, don't be that guy either. Okay. So I think that's, that's kind of the right away stuff. I think yep. it's all, we, we made that pretty clear. If you have questions, ask us, like if any of this is unclear and you're, we don't want to make you scared to ride your bike. Like this is stuff that is obvious and second nature to good bike riders. If any of it's unclear, like I really do mean it, call us and we'll have a chat and allay your concerns. If you have any questions. Okay, so the next one is, if it's muddy, don't ride it. Oh, this is it. People still do this all the time. I cannot believe it. Every time I see, you just, I'm sorry, I'm already jumping in. You do your thing, and then I'll no, that's all. I just read my entire note right. Oh, there. cool. And and if you're if you're unclear and you don't know why this is a big deal, especially where we live here in Utah, our trails don't like water. Um, if the trail gets wet and people ride it, it destroys the trail and like that's so and it's interesting because a lot of these things like if you're making one hiker feel uncomfortable that's unacceptable if you destroy a trail that affects hundreds of people every single spring i ride shoreline and there are huge sections of the trail that are destroyed because one douchebag decided he didn't want to turn around and he was going to ride through the mud because it's like it's a mountain bike you can get dirty you know like um aside from being bad for your bike and making you look like an idiot um like tearing up the trail sucks and that affects hundreds of people because every single trail in the Wasatch is used by people who aren't you. Don't do this. Yeah. And there are some trails that handle rain a lot better than others. If it's like, raining quarry is quarry. free. I've ridden quarry. I mean, there's obviously <coughs> like use common sense. There's sections of it that you want to walk through or that you don't like quarry is, is a hundred percent go yeah. basically shoreline's all the time. Shoreline's pretty good. Um, mm, I'd push back. I think yeah. most of shoreline is rain sensitive. I would okay. not ride it. Yeah. So, so just like, you know, if, if, if the mud is actually sticking to your tires, you need to turn around. Yeah. If if you're making a mark, it usually doesn't get better. Like if it starts getting muddy, it usually doesn't like dry up later, the higher you climb. I mean, we should say you, it will happen where there will be one muddy section on the, like you, and I'm, I'm saying this, like set reasonable expectations occasionally there. And I can think of there's one section on shoreline. I think of there's one section on quarry that's wet all year round, some parts. And if it's like, if it's literally actually 10 feet of the entire two ride, two hour ride you're trying to then do. it's fine, obviously. Use common sense. But like, if, if, if more than a quarter of the ride is muddy, it's not fun anyway. And don't, yeah, don't do it. Okay. Use common sense. Don't so be an yeah, idiot. I think, I think that makes. Sorry. I know I keep belaboring every point so hard, but <laughs> you know. So the next one I came up with is, is riding in control. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, Another, another boy problem. <laughs> you know, I, I think that obviously this is important for your safety. It's important for the safety of others. Yep. Um, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know why we should have to explain that this is important. Like, but, but I think, I think a few specific things to point out is mm-hmm. like, if you're riding downhill and there's like tight corners that are blind that you can't see around them, mm-hmm. you need to go as slow as you're able to stop instantly. Yes. You know, you need to be able to stop within a couple of feet. Right. Always. So if you're going around a corner and you can't see what's around the corner, you got to go really slow. Yep. Um, I, you know, I personally have a bell on my bike that I just kind of ding just in case, but that's not enough. No, you can't. And really quick 
for people with bells on their bike. I see this all the time. The bell doesn't mean you can go as fast as you want. No. The bell is there because your voice it's, doesn't. Voices don't carry. It's very kind well. of an insurance policy. Yeah. Kind. Well, not even that. It's, it's more just, just like <clears throat> it's the that last ditch effort to just really try and make sure that you know you're not going to hurt someone. Yeah, because even if you are ringing in your bell, that doesn't mean they have to get out of the way. Really quick, can I just say with bells? Don't ring bells when you're riding behind somebody and you want to pass. Oh, that's so annoying. That I that. So we talked about not being like... That's like, being a dick. I was going to say, we talked earlier about like having control of your emotions. If someone does that, that's like that's where I'm like, oh, I might get violent. Like, I might hit this person. That is the most annoying thing I can think of doing on a bike that doesn't actually physically harm someone. Sorry, another soapbox for you there. Yeah, I was going to say... No one ever catches me. And, no, ah, <laughs> there you go. You're like, oh, what? What's would, what happens there? Well, you know, being passed. I've never been. Oh, passed. yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just, just joking. That's very not true for those that know my riding pace. Yeah, stand so, slow. <laughs> um, yeah. So just riding control. Be safe. Don't. Um, don't ever like Lee McCormick. Our skills instruct. Well, like where our skill instruction has been based on. Yeah. Um, you know, he he said that you really should never feel uncomfortable. Yeah, you you know you really should work on your skills to the point that you're always doing things that you're comfortable with. I mean, you're gradually progressing, mm-hmm. but you're never getting you're never doing something you're uncomfortable with. You should never. I, I'm I'm I know this is kind of a semantic debate. Like un- discomfort's one thing. Like you should never be afraid. If you're afraid, you're probably going to crash. Um, and I should say too, really quick, um, never make fun of someone for not wanting to ride something. You know, like that is so not okay. And this is so, like I I have never been a great descender, especially in high school. I struggled with it. There was a lot of stuff I didn't feel comfortable riding. There are a lot of things right now that people ride that I don't. Um, don't, don't be the reason that peer bad peer pressure exists. You know, like progression is an important part of mountain biking, but you do, you progress in control. You know, progression doesn't mean, Oh my gosh, I'm just scared witless here and I'm going to chuck myself down this thing because my buddies, that's not good. Yeah. That's how you getting hurt sucks. Like go yeah, progression talk to somebody, talk to somebody who's had a six month injury. Ask them yeah. how fun that was. Yeah. Progression needs to be controlled. <laughs> yes. You know, which is another reason it's important to be in the right group that you're not in a group that yeah. that's doing stuff that you're just not comfortable. If you're listening to this and you're in my group, I will yell at you if you pressure somebody to ride something they obviously don't want to. That's not okay for me. So, I don't know. Is, is there anything I didn't add? I think people get the point that, that right, it's not exhaustive. There's so many things. And you know what? This will become, if you're listening to this and you're like, don't write these down. <laughs> um, you will just, you will learn this. It'll become second nature. Um, again, not exhaustive. The fact that we didn't talk about it here today doesn't mean that, you know, you're exempt. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think ultimately what's more important is just, you know, principles, understand the principles. Yeah. Like emotional, so you can make good decisions. Like emotional intelligence and, and self-awareness and social awareness and just yep. realizing that how you bombed around a trail affects the experience that the hikers and other client people climbing have too. And it's not only important that you have fun, it's important that everyone has fun and yeah. you know, you're not more important than other people <clears throat> no. and other people aren't more important than you. I mean, we're, and it is my closing point. I would say that um, this team is not like a casual thing for, for Dan and, I, and Dan, especially like I always say Dan and I like the truth is this is Dan's team. Um, the amount of time that Dan puts into this team is almost concerning. Um, it, it's huge. This, this team is a, is a big deal, not just for the Draper family, but for everyone who ri- rides in a Maybird jersey. And, and I would like to say, and I, I want to be as clear as I possibly can be. 
when you are wearing a Maybird jersey, you are representing, what is it now, 250 other riders, mm-hmm. other parents? You know, you are representing hundreds of other people. Wearing a Maybird jersey is a sign where you are taking everyone else on that ride with you. I, there is, like, I would love someday for a Maybird kid to become a national champion or something. I am genuinely, truthfully, and I'm not just saying this, I am more excited when we hear somebody say, hey, I ran into a Maybird group today and it was a great experience. They were all so nice. That, Dan and I, I would I would take that, and I, I really mean this, I'm not being insincere when I say this, I would take that every single day of the week over a Maybird kid winning nationals. That is more important to us. And, and on the flip side, if you are a douchebag <laughs> and if you have poor judgment and God forbid if you hurt somebody wearing a Maybird jersey, that is not a you problem, that is an us problem. If you are listening to this, and you know that you have no ability to regulate your emotions, and you know that your judgment is poor, hand in your resignation today, we will refund you, no questions asked. We want nothing to do with anybody who can't pull this off. And these are easy things. So again, if you don't care about your safety or the safety of others, care about the fact that this team matters to us and every single person who wears a Maybird jersey. So just remember that no matter what you're doing, you are representing them as well. So it is not about you. Wow. My, I, I, I don't think I can top that, Joe. Well, you know. I was going to say something, but yeah, I think I'll just... I'm familiar with the top of the soapbox, you know. <laughs> um, you, if you, like, I'm so sorry to everyone who's on my team. I'm, I'm a talker. And, and like, but this matters, right? Like, no, this is super important. Yeah. And, you know, it's important too. Like, and the thing is, we, we, like, the primary goal of, of our group rides is to have fun. Right. You know, and, and the thing is, is you can be fast, you can be fit, you can have be fu- you can have be fun. <laughs> you can have be fun, or be literate. It's either or. <laughs> you can do like none of these things are mutually excu- exclusive. You no. can do like. We're not talking about like some sterile like we're never going to have fun or no. we're robots. Like, like, oh but but the things that you do to have fun shouldn't detract no. from the fun or experience of other people. No, so. Just don't be an awful person. Should, should I call that? Should I call this episode? Don't, don't be, be an, an awful, awful person. person. <laughs> or maybe you should make it more positive. Anyhow, we've really probably quick, gone long enough. Because this is mandatory, I do think we should have a secret word. I always think of it. Um, if I really seriously like, let us know that you listen to this. That is a huge deal. Um, you can text me. I'll take the barrage of texts or whatever. Uh, Dan, I'll let you pick the secret word. People don't know your number though, Joe. Oh, that's good. I don't know. This is if you have it, show us. That'll give you extra points in the Draper's book if that's something that matters to you, and it shouldn't. But what's the secret secret code for today's password or for today's <laughs> secret secret code for today's episode? I don't cut when I make mistakes. I want people to know every single cut is Dan's mistake. You hear all of mine and none of Dan's. What's the secret word? Pinecone. Pinecone is the secret word. Um, thanks again to everybody for listening. If you have questions, really do truly reach out to us. If you've asked a question, I think you should, like, it's, I think I've answered every question we've had, um, if not in the episode in person. So um, let us know. And, and we are so excited for this season, guys. So um, if there's anything you guys need, let us know. And we look forward to talking to you next week.